This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined by my co-host, Raul and Shu. We got John Watson of the Devil's Den with us. Going to do a little bit of a mailbag for uh, some of the board subscribers over there. Um, first off, there's just a lot of different questions, so I've tried to kind of organize them. Um, at the top, we got some general stuff. Then we're really going to jump into the current team, talk a little bit about recruiting, roster fit, um, and then we'll kind of round it out with some kind of coaching stuff and a little bit of uh, round table stuff there but first one i got and we can all kind of jump in and answer this one and it's just a fun question um me and she were kind of talking about it a little bit uh last week but there was one on there just asking about the best duke jersey um there's surprisingly like several that you could look at and choose from here um i don't think anyone's going to take the mid 90s capable like sleeve jersey on there but i'll throw that out there in case you know you were you were thinking about that. Um, since we were talking about it, Shu, let me go to you first. Have you thought about it anymore? What's your best Duke jersey? And tell me why it's not the 2020 um, Carolina the, Duke little like yeah, 100 the, year the anniversary one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, terrible. <laughs> um, I mean, dude, I still, I still kind of gravitate towards the that like 2010 the uh, the the jersey with the chapel on the back. You like the chapel? Yeah, yeah. I like the chapel. All right. But I got I got another one that I'm gonna I'll let you guys go and I'll just see if anybody okay. Can. Well, I'm gonna go to Roll next because I know Roll kind of hates those jerseys. So Roll, what's your <laughs> um, anti chapel jersey? <laughs> yeah, that's one of my least favorites. Actually, that's funny. Uh, I always just like uh, the road blues almost no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd probably have to either go with I think 2004 look really sharp. Um, okay. If you see some pictures with like Duhan and Reddick in the final four. Um, there's one kind of iconic photo with the whole starting lineup. Um, and I just think those look great. And then um Grant Hill era, I could not tell you whether it was like 92 or 94, but 
just some of those uh yeah seeing grant hill in the road blues too yeah those look yeah. sharp as well i kind of like how back then they didn't put as many decals on them either yeah so it's just a cleaner yeah. look yeah that the grant hill yeah seeing grant and those like those duke blues playing michigan or i think there's like right. a really good like picture of it that's what i usually think of um john what about you you got a favorite duke purple maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i go back to the when everyone talks about the duke blue i go back to there's there's a picture of duhan in 2000 i guess it was 2002 or whatever uh he's just in it's that royal blue it looks almost 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 like a metallic wetness within mm-hmm. the blueness it just it, it's just that's what i always think of with you know blue devils and all that kind of stuff um anybody who follows me on twitter knows i'm not a huge fan of the black uniforms um <laughs> But, but they're here to stay. And I, I did, I do like the chapel uniforms. I thought that was just, it was innovative when they did it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. There's a lot of options, do, man. You can't um, put that on as anybody else. I'm yeah. I'm surprised nobody wanted to bring up the battleship gray ones with Miles Plumley And <laughs> I got, yeah, those. Was shoes, shoes I got, got a one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Signed by um, Seth, actually. There you go. Yeah. This there's a, there's, we've yeah. got a lot, man. I think, if I had to pick one, um, it would probably just be those throwback blues. I really loved in 2015 when they kind of brought back that traditional kind of looking like road blue for a while there. Um, but, you know, I, since no one's taken, I guess I will. I'm a huge fan of those like Navy Brotherhood ones, though, like the Gothic Duke one. It looks different. Yeah. It's not like your traditional Duke blue, um, but I like that one better than the white version of it for whatever reason. But um yeah, so I'll go with the with the brotherhoods. That's a, well, that's a good I'm, little. I'm glad John brought it up that he doesn't like the. So when I was, I guess it was middle school, like '96, '97, when they first introduced the black uniforms. I remember I was with my buddy and we're literally like waiting on the Duke game where I can. It's vivid. I was playing like Diddy Kong racing, you know, <laughs> yeah. and and we came out in the black uniforms and I was like, whoa, those are. Was that against? Wasn't that Villanova with Kerry Kittles? It was either no, I felt like it was that or Saint uh, Saint John's game. I I remember I, more Diddy Car. I was getting my kicked in Diddy Car races. I just remember. <laughs> I, I thought it was Villanova because I remember Rick Majerus talking about how Kerry Kittles had had big socks on or something. Uh, he, yeah, uh, he always had the tall it. socks. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I loved when we first introduced the black jerseys. Now you know people say they could be cursed, whatnot. But hey, didn't we recently have a great performance in them? Was that Pittsburgh or? I feel yeah. like we wore yeah. them recently yeah. on the yeah. road and played well. Yeah. I think so, yeah. 2019 flipped the script a little bit because yeah, they kind of yeah. made it this like funeral thing where it was like, okay, that's kind of yeah. cool if we can all adapt that. But I remember like the early aughts, like the early 2000s, it was like the black jerseys come out. Like I remember 01 Duke for sure. I think it was we go to Florida State, we're wearing yeah. them, we lose by five. Um, yeah. I think it, it happened again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it just was like, okay, let's get rid of these for a while. Um, but maybe it's it's kind of kind of transition back here all right next one's a little bit uh someone I'm, I'm assuming they're asking this probably because he's just been tearing the league up the last few nights i think he's the only player in the league to hit nine threes in a game and he's done it twice yep. um so where does grayson allen rank on the all-time duke list we'll send this around before just a little bit of stuff that i pulled um he's top 10 in assist percentage box plus minus three pointers made three point percentage free throw percentage win shares and player efficiency rating um where do you think he ranks on your all-time john i'll send this one to you first just to um up and down career there for grayson we we're talking about it offline huge sophomore year title as a freshman adversity as a way to say it right the last two years where do you rank him now uh in your kind of hall of legends i, I mean he's 
I, I don't have him in the top 10. Yeah. Um, maybe probably top 25 or so. Um, but I mean, you know, it's, it's so hard. I mean, like we said, we were talking offline. I mean, how do you rate a four year guy against a one year guy? Mm-hmm. I mean, are we, are we taking their best seasons? Because you have to, if you're including the one year guys, but you know, obviously I don't think he's any of the guys in the, in the rafters that we all saw play. So that would be, I, I guess maybe starting with Danny Ferry or so. Yep. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's got a better career of any of those guys who have had it retired since I would say singlers ahead of him. Um, you know, then you start looking at guys in the one and duns. Um, that's really tough uh, for him. Yep. I mean, would you say who had a better career, Grayson Allen or Tyus Jones? I mean, mm. you know, because mm. Grayson's sophomore year was amazing. Tyus's freshman year was legendary, right? But not until about the last half of the year. I mean, it's it's so it's so interesting to see, and I think this will, you know, bleed into some some. Uh, discussions later about you know retirement of jerseys and all that kind of stuff but you know pure talent at duke i, I don't i don't have him in my top 20 i don't think yeah um, yeah but again it's fair it's hard because like i said i mean how many more four-year guys are we going to see i mean the most recent was jeremy roach and his career doesn't touch allen's i would say right so i mean you know it's right. that that's that's hard to calculate as well but yeah i'd say it's you know all time he's probably in the top Probably in the top 25 to 40 players all time, which okay. I think is fair. Yeah. And it's fickle too, right? Because like what changes if a ball doesn't hit the rim for the fourth time in 2018 against Kansas and yeah. that thing goes down that up. and then he has two final fours and may- we probably get beat by Villanova that year because they were just right. ridiculous. But it would be a second Final Four, right? Or if 2017 and he's, and he's the hero, goes he's the hero in, in, in the championship right. game, and he hits the shot that sends us to a second Final Four. Yeah. Right. right. That could, you know, that, that's probably a 10-spot yeah. bump, maybe, right? right? Like, if sure. that happens, maybe he goes yeah. up to not too many guys have, have played in, in multiple and Final Fours. So. I, I look at this. I mean, he was fantastic for eight, you know, eight to 12 minutes against Wisconsin as a freshman. Um you know, kind of the unsung hero coming off the bench, hadn't done anything all year. Um, it always, to me, was kind of like the the new version of Marty Clark against Indiana, where, you know, <laughs> Hurley, Leitner's just completely out of it. Hurley's doing well, but Marty Clark's the guy who steps up and hits all the free throws. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's that kind of thing. Now, his sophomore year, he went from being, you know, the unsung hero to being a guy who should have left for the NBA because he was just that good. Yeah. I mean, his sophomore year was ridiculous. Yeah. One of the best guard seasons in Duke history, actually. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, but then, you know, falls off and then really falls off. And then yeah. narrative wise, just got murdered by the whole tripping thing and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Blue yeah. kind of stole yeah. the shine a little bit in 17, right? Cause then yeah. he follows up what was yeah. awesome about Grayson's year and then kind of almost outdoes it a little bit like the very next year. So, um, yeah, exactly. well, you know, shouts to, and, shouts and, to and then and then eighteen, everything's kind of running through Bagley, and you also have Carter and there, Carter, and it's just like yeah. yeah, and there's trend. Well, there's not enough shots to go around for him to average twenty two points a game. And, and I think you know when they tried to play him at point guard, yeah, um, was that the year Duvall was there, and then yeah, like, yep. yeah, Trent was with him. Figured out, yeah, there just weren't enough shots, like you said, and he he wasn't like Shire, he wasn't like other guys who could hunt their shot, but then also could facilitate and game manage. It just wasn't who he was. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's tough that he played out of position for those years. 
Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of 2018, man, if we could have, if Kennard comes back and you don't have to go like fishing late for Duvall and you have Kennard, yeah. Allen and Trent on the perimeter with Bagley and Carter, that's pretty deadly. But, uh, well, then, yeah. you know, do the next year, which is another fun to- off season podcast, but add Gary Trent to Zion's team. Oh, yeah. yeah for sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that would be a really fun one there, too, because that's what they needed, too, was just somebody they could shoot. But, um, all right, let's transition to the current team here a little bit. Um, someone was asking, what do you think Duke's ceiling is and has that changed since the start of the season? Um, we talked about it a lot. I mean, John, I'm assuming at the beginning of the season, the ceiling was national championship or at least making it to Phoenix. Is that changed? Maybe it changed, but has that came back to that? I mean, is that that's probably still the ceiling, right? A Final Four contender? Yeah, it hadn't changed for me at all. I mean, they the thing we need to see is they, you know, they they were a team that was pretty new started the started the season a bunch of sophomores and you know a bunch of freshmen um, and we've seen the flashes I mean you know Mark Mitchell disappears and dies but then comes back and should have been ACC Player of the Week two weeks ago Filipowski mm-hmm. um, has been brilliant consistent and then not so consistent um, the freshman guards are kind of finding their way Proctor's been hurt for even though he's back he's still dealing with you know, recovering. Um, the pieces are all there. The talent is there. It's just nobody's been consistent yet. Yeah. Um, and it seems like every time you get somebody going to be consistent, something happens. Um, and, you know, like right now, you got Roach, who has been brilliant this year. Yeah. He's hurt. You got Mitchell, who is just rounding into form. He's hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's tough. Um, but if they ever can get all everybody on the right right path and on, on the same wavelength i still think it's one of the two or three best teams in the country it's just they're going through some adversity right now and it, they haven't handled it as well as you would hope but it doesn't mean the ceiling's any lower yeah i mean yeah. you know uconn a year ago was a middle of the middle of the pack big east team or yeah. american whatever they're in right now yeah <laughs> and i mean yeah. you know it's it, people just get hot and yeah. um you got to have the pieces and this team can defend. This team can shoot. Um, you know, I've got some questions about the rebounding here and there, but they've got all the pieces they need to get to where they want to go. Um, it's not like you're looking at this team going, oh, they're just, you know, their ceiling is the Sweet 16. I don't believe that at all. I, yeah. I think the floor is the Sweet 16. I just, if the, the, you know, the caveats are, are they going to stay healthy and can everybody get on the same page? And so far that hasn't happened. And, but you see the flashes. I mean, McCain was really, really good for a while. Foster has been really steady. Yeah. Um, you know, can, can that all maintain once you get the lineup back and everybody healthy? Yeah. And if they can, then I see no reason they won't be in Phoenix. I mean, they're, they are very, very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the, for me, I mean, I know like it got, crushed after that Georgia Tech game, but um, we're not really the 30th best defense, right? We've been kind of in that like 15, 15 to yeah. 20 range for a while. And I think if we're, you know, the defense has been surprising for me, you know, like this isn't a team that like, to me, like on paper should be a top 15 defensive team, right? I mean, look at some of those K teams that were struggling to stay like top 100 at times, right? Or top 75 at times and way more athleticism um, or even height than different places. So uh, I think defensively, that's at least been a, a good thing so far. If we're not playing Georgia Tech, but, yeah. And I uh, heard I heard uh, Brendan Marks say on uh, 
locked on the other day that during this winning stretch, we've been sixth in offense. So you put together the sixth best offense. And if we can get back up into that kind of 15 to 20 range on defense, like that's, that's a good enough split for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because even um, 2015, they finished with the 11th ranked defense, but they were like 30th to 50th yeah. for like, all of January, I and then say, really right? locked in in the tournament. Yeah, I think they were even like twenty plus, twenty five or twenty eight or so, even heading into the tournament, and yep. then it just like they just went on a tear. Um, so you know, it could happen. It could happen. Uh, next one, let's see. As of today, who do you think is leaving, coming back from the current roster? Um, particularly, I guess in regards to guys like TJ Power, Sean Stewart, is Proctor and Mark Mitchell kind of gone, regardless of what happens? Does Roach exercise the fifth year? Does shoot Reeves redshirt and then look elsewhere? Does Jalen Blake's decide to kind of explore and take a year somewhere? Like, what do you think um, this is going to play? Because it looks like the staff is recruiting as if they're expecting anywhere from six to eight, maybe could could not be back. Is that kind of tracking with what you're thinking too? Yeah, I think they're recruiting for everybody to leave. Um, and, you know, worst case scenario. Right. Um, because, you know, just start, you know, look at Roach. I mean, he could come back for the COVID year. It's really, for me, a question with him of, you know, what does he want? I mean, could he make more money at Duke with NIL and be in the face of the program next year? I think he certainly could, but I'd also make the argument he's not the face of the team this year. Um, do we really think he's going to be the face of the team next year with Cooper Flag? Um, you know, I, I don't. Um, could he make money? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Does he want to? I, I don't know. I, I kind of lean to him saying this is his last year. He's got his degree. He's shown that he's consistent. And I, I wonder if it's not a situation where, you know, if he finishes up the year like that he's had, where he's he's putting these up incredible shooting splits, he's not turning the ball over, he's doing everything he needs to do. You know, is it time for him to go ahead and go get in the G League and try to tear it up there to try to, you know, eventually earn his way to the league? Um, you know, that's, that's a consideration. Um, as far as you know, the rest of the starting lineup, I think Proctor's gone. I think it was always a two-year plan. Um, so I think he I think he will end up going. Um, I, I, I may be wrong. These are opinions. But I think Mark Mitchell, I think he almost has to come back at this point. Mm. Um, you know, you're going to have some conversations in the offseason. But, I mean, where where is he going to go that he's going to get a better look? He's going to get, you know, better exposure. Um and, and I think next year we were talking offline. I, I think next year with Flag, you know, Mitchell and Flag will be kind of interchangeable at the three and four, uh, strategically, and, and and both in the lineups. Um, you know, one of them might play on the three on offense, one of them might play the four on defense. Right. Um, but I, I think Mitchell might actually uh, do well aside from Flag, beside Flag. As far as like you know, uh, obviously Ryan Young's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Exhaust his eligibility. Flip obviously is gone. Um, you know, then you start looking at, you know, the rest of it, uh, McCain and Foster, I, I would expect Foster to be back. No question. I, I lean towards McCain coming back one. He has incredible amounts of off the court earning. He's a guy, I think if he became like Luke Kennard next year, yeah, just had that monster sophomore season, you've got the big time freshman, uh, with flag. I think he could really maximize, make a lot of money, and I think he could showcase some things that the NBA wants to see as kind of a secondary ball handler, maybe playing the Nolan Smith role to Caleb Foster's John Shire in the way they they run offense. Um, you know, I think I think those two could probably come back. 
after that, Jalen Blake's, you know, it's, it's a question. Does he want to do the gold wire thing and go start somewhere? Sure. Um, I, I don't know if that's the case or not. I know he loves Duke. I know he's a, he's a tough kid who's done everything, but he'll also have a degree. He'll have a year of eligibility left. And let's be honest, he's not starting next year. Yeah. Um, does he want to go as a senior and, you know, go, go play somewhere else? I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I could see him going maybe up into the Big East somewhere, um, you know, maybe somewhere in the Big 12 and just play in and, and being a starter. I mean, he's, he's good enough. And, but there's questions about, you know, his offense. Well, he's not going to get a bunch of shots if he's a Duke. You know, does he stay or not? It's, it's a variable. Uh, I don't think a decision's been made there. Um, and then we're looking at the freshman this year, TJ Power and Sean Stewart. That's the big I, ones, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm torn because, and I wrote about this on the site the other day, but um, like with Power, I, I just kind of sit there and think, you know, he wants to compete, obviously, um, but he's not able to get on the floor this year. And, you know, what is he? Is he a three? Is he a four? I mean, if Mitchell comes back, I think I, I make the, we were talking about offline. I, I make the argument Mitchell's going to start a small forward, um, which means he's going to play 30 minutes a game. So now where's power play? Does he play the 10 minutes behind Mitchell at the, at the three? And then when Mitchell goes to the four, you know, you could, I guess you can make the argument, but then you're going to have all those other guards and wings that are coming in. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have, um, you know, Khan, Isaiah Evans, you're going to have uh, maybe Darren Harris. You could, you've got a ton of guards coming in who can all shoot. Um, you know, d- does he play? I, I don't know. And then, you know, it was Sean Stewart. It's the same question. He's not going to start over Cooper flag. We know that. So, you know, he's not going to play power forward next year. So then is he going to be in the middle? Well, they've only got one center on the roster right now. Um, and I, I'll get to the other, I'll get to the other reserve bigs in a second, but, um, you know, I, I sit there and think, could he be a small ball five? Could he be a regular five at, you know, six, eight, six, nine, 230, 240 pounds next year? And, you know, super athletic. I mean, that's plenty big enough to play a, a big, you know, in college basketball. For sure. But yeah. Is he going to play over Pat? You can make that argument. The, uh, the, the kid they're looking at in Africa right now who's coming in, who is a projected top five pick, I think those two would be the Pat and he would both probably be projected to start at center. So, I mean, at that point, if you're Sean Stewart, you're going, you know, am I going to back up Cooper flag for a year and then as a junior take over a starting spot? Absolutely, that's possible. Is he patient enough? And, and that's a real question. You know, the, the thing you see this year that I think has people asking questions is Mark Mitchell's out right now, and this guy can't get on the floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, mm, that's a yeah, that's a that's an issue. Um, yeah, you know, because it's not going to get any easier next year. Um, and then of course, you know, 2025, they're looking at bringing in a, another couple of power forwards. So, I mean, you know, what, what is his role? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, can he carve it out and that kind of stuff? Um, Christian Reeves, people ask about, I think he's done. Um, I think it's not been announced yet, but I, if he's not medically redshirting this year, I'll, I'll be stunned. In fact, I'm pretty sure he is being medically redshirted, uh, to save a year of eligibility. Um, yeah. I know he wants to play. I know he's made it clear he wants to play. I don't see a path for him to play at Duke anytime soon. Um, I, I may be wrong. This is speculation on my part, but call it informed and speculation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the last one would be Jaden Shute. 
you know, I, I actually had a conversation about this the other day and was told, you know, last year people were just sure this kid was going to, he was going to transfer, you know, top 45 kid, four star, high four star, had a bunch of big 10 offers and didn't play. So all these people were sure that he was going to transfer and transferring never entered this kid's mind. He never once looked at it, which, you know, is admirable. But again, now he's redshirting. He's got three years of eligibility left. Where is he going to play next year? And, you know, the answer is he could start if Jared McCain leaves, if, you know, Roach is gone, Blakes is gone. And then you got four or three other freshman guards coming in. You can make a real case that a guy with a, who's going into his third year of college basketball, he could be a favorite to, to start. But are they recruiting like that? You know, I, I don't know. Right. Um, and, you know, again, it's I, I think a lot of these decisions are just tied into what happens with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I would lean towards shoot maybe being done, but, you know, again, I don't know. And I know he's been adamant and was adamant last year that transferring wasn't on his mind. But then again, I go back to, you know, okay, well, he's, they could really have used some shooting this year. And he was red shirting, you know, behind Blake's who does a lot of things, but shooting's not one of them. Um, you know, behind McCain who started kind of slow behind Foster who started kind of slow. I mean, it's, you know, it's just, is he, I don't want to say over his head, but is there a path for him to get the kind of playing time he wants? And I think that's the question that's yet to be answered. Um, yeah. So, and again, why do you redshirt? I, I don't, I don't remember the last kid who would have redshirted and then played a big role after redshirting. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't remember there being precedence for that. Yeah. And it's not like Duke's stopping recruiting. I mean, you know, Isaiah Evans is a very good player. Um, you know, Khan is a very good player. Um, you know, Darren Harris is a very good player. And the plan has always been for McCain and Foster to be starting backcourt next year. So, you know, you got those, was that five players on the wing? Mm-hmm. Um, then you were talking, we're, we're talking about the decisions with, you know, Mark Mitchell, uh, potentially. Uh, Cooper flag and then the post guys. I mean, it's, it's crowded. Yeah. And <laughs> you know what, what I've, what I've told everybody um, is, and I'm, I'm, I'm parroting this verbatim. Not everybody's going to play and not everyone's going to play as much as they want to, because they can't, you know, you just, yeah. you only have 200 minutes in a basketball game. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that's unfortunately in this day and age where kids can transfer and be compensated for doing it. Um, I, I just don't know that the days of waiting your turn, I don't know how that fits in in today's day and age. Yeah. Especially, uh, especially when with the- John, st- I think there's a lot of like, kind of like curiosity on the front end, right? Of like, well, how deep is Shire going to go? Like, is that going to change? Um, yeah. And I think, you know, he's maybe a little more liberal than Kay was, but it looks like he's still kind of in the mold of like seven and a half, eight. If I can get eight guys, that's where I'm comfortable. That's kind of how I want to run my rotations. Maybe he plays nine or 10, but it just doesn't seem like that's what he really wants well, to seems, do, or that's how he does it naturally. It seems hard to me to, to really determine it because last year they were super deep. I mean, last year he was playing guys that Kay wouldn't have played, you know, if his life depended on it. Um, and he was doing it early. Um, you know, then the rotation tightened up a bit. But I mean, you know, this year, I, I kind of argue well, who should play, you know, that's not yeah. playing. I mean, yeah. 
you know, and that's that's kind of the issue. We we've not really seen these these lineups with you know, a lot of options, I guess. Because I mean, the only guys who aren't playing right now are Power and Stewart, and you know, I, I, I we can we I'm sure you guys have talked about that a bunch, but. You know, well, and, and Powers got, I mean, it's not like he's been completely just like nixed, right? Like he's gotten opportunities and meaningful games to get some shots up or to get out there. Um, Sean is a little bit different, but I think we talked about that just in terms of the defensive responsibility, right? Like if you're going to be out there and you're going to be about on the back line, you got to be calling out switches, you got to be calling out coverages. And, think, and that's, that's tough on a freshman. I think that's, that's the problem he's dealing with right now is, I mean, you know, who does he come in for? He either comes in for Filipowski or Ryan Young, you know. And if it's if it's Young, Young's going to tell him where to go. If it's Flip, you know, Flip is going to be just as aggressive as Stewart is and going after the ball. Sure. And you really lose a lot of communication on that back line because it just turns into a layup line. Yeah. So I I don't know. It's 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 difficult with those guys, but yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see what what Shire's rotation ends up being. Um. But I, I definitely think he wants to he wants shooting, he wants rebounding, and he wants to control the game. I don't I don't know that John Shire's preferred uh attack is gonna be the early two thousand teams where they're scoring and averaging like ninety five a game or Just something. Blitzing, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know that that's that's in his makeup or repertoire. I mean, he certainly hasn't recruited like that. Um, you know, he's recruited guys who have high basketball IQ, who can who can rebound, who can who can defend, who can, you know, who are kind of a controlled pace style. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen him recruit anybody who's just a speedster. Yeah. Almost everybody that he's recruited or that we've landed at least are like very cerebral players too, right? Yeah. Like the way they think the game, the way they operate within the game. This entire class is like that, right? Like very cerebral. Cooper's up there. Khan's definitely up there. Um, and the current like the team now, Proctor, very cerebral guy, McCain, even McCain, Foster. Yeah. I've been ex- impressed with his ability to like, I mean, he's been out there at times and you can't really know that he's out there, but that's better than like having a negative influence by just turning it over all the time or just he, he was able to play within the flow of the game. So, um, you know, so, so far style, it's worked. The style's there. One thing, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, Hoopal game the other night with Cooper with the mm-hmm. flag and the people are going to hate Cooper flag, man. Yeah, they I, are. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. People yeah. are gonna hate this kid. I can't I mean, wait. He is, and he's gonna he's gonna feed off of it. Like I, I feel like Filipowski feeds off of it, but Flip does it more of a fun and I, I don't know, kind of like a set a satire kind of way. Cooper's just a dog, man. Yeah. People well, are gonna it, hate it, this it's kid. different when you feed off of it and then you go out and pin someone's stuff against the backboard and then like just yeah. windmill dunk on someone, right? Like Flip's not really doing that. Um right. so <laughs> Flip yeah. will smirk at you. I mean, the flag will sit there and like dunk on you and then just stare you down. Take your soul. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it's, yeah. It, I'm telling you, it, being that guy in a Duke uniform and he's, I mean, I, the funniest part was like at the, at the interview that, uh, being Cardi, being Cardi did with him after the game. You know, they, they just be prolific prep and it was Cooper actually made like the, the game ceiling steal and all this other stuff. And, you know, ESPN, of course, asked him, you know, how are you such a good, you know, how are you such a good defender? And I think Flag said something like, oh, it's just natural talent. (laughs) (laughs) I just started laughing when he said it because I'm going, my God, he'll say that once at Duke and it'll just be public enemy number one. Yeah. Yeah. Flag, I'm just good. I'm just good. 
Yeah, I'm That's so exactly excited. Right. <laughs> I'm so excited for Cooper. Um, well, let's talk about well, first. Let's take a little quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about recruiting. I think that's a good enough segue. Um, so yeah, let's take five. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament: Champions versus Champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place while you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you got to do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. All right, let's come back. Um, so someone asked, and we, we were kind of just talking about this offline, but so who do you think Duke's most re- important recruit is that's not named Cooper? Uh, I think it's Khan, uh, Ooh, the shooting okay. guard. Of, I, I just think this is the kid who is, you know, he's tough. He's He reminds me a lot of the Reed Shepard kid from Kentucky. Mm. He just, maybe not quite as quick, but he's he's athletic enough. He's He's... He would be a killer at somewhere like Purdue or something. Oh, yeah. Um, incredible scorer, incredible shooter, plays the game the right way. Um, he's essentially, I mean, I know Shire thinks he's pretty much a very similar player to what he was, maybe similar to Luke Kennard. Just, you know, when I look at those guys, I just see this This is just a guy who will he'll make the right plays, he'll knock down shots, and he'll, he won't be a total liability if they get who they're talking about getting on the back line of the defense. Um, but they need another scorer. And if they do get the kids we're talking about, you know, um, in the post, and we have, you know, Mitchell, Cooper, and then I guess we'll talk about the, uh, uh, you know, the, the kid from Africa. If they get him, I mean, obviously, he would be a game changer. Um, but as far as this question goes, I'm assuming um, this question was meant for the commitment since there's only one more outstanding target. So of the commits, I would say it's Khan. Um, obviously, you change the game if you get this kid from Africa uh, based yeah. on what everyone's saying about him. But yeah. I, I just think regardless if you get him or not, you're going to need spacing. You're going to need scoring. They're going to be very good on defense. They're going to be tough on the boards, but you're going to have to score. Because, I mean, no disrespect to Mark, but if he's back as a junior, I mean, I'm hoping he shoots better than 10% from three-point. But, right. yeah. you know, spacing is going to be an issue. Potentially. Yeah. Especially around Cooper, right? You got to have outlets. You got to have people in the corners that can knock those shots down. Um, well, you need, you need smart players, too. Like, I mean, again, going back to the hoopball game, you know, one of the most important plays is at the end of the game. Um, 
they, uh, prolific prep goes, takes a shot. Flag rises up out of the scrum, gets the rebound, and then it's a loose ball knocked away. He goes over to the corner, and before the defender can get to him, he throws a 40-foot outlet pass to McNeely, who's uh, going to Indiana, yeah. who's already streaking up midcourt. You know, that's that's a wonderful play on two two fronts because, one, you get the ball away from your basket. Two, you're, you're going to score to put the game away as opposed to, as we've seen with Duke in the last two years at times, guys just kind of stand and watch, and there's no anticipation. Mm-hmm. And I think with a guy like Cooper – you know, even with Falster, even with Proctor, you need guys who are not just going to be, you know, statues. They're going to anticipate. They're going to be moving to a spot where those guys can deliver the ball. Um, and I just see that, you know, this that's one of the kids who's just going to do it. Um, I like Isaiah Evans for what he could be. Um, he's got a lot of scores mentality in him. He's got a lot of you know, a lot of the kids that they're bringing in are just competitive. Um, you know, I don't know that you're going to have games where next year's team has to kind of get punched in the mouth in order to set the tone. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that could just because of the personalities. Um, but, you know, Evans has a lot of that, but Evans has a lot of work to do on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he can be sort of a, a high volume shooter and not always a high volume maker. So. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the, uh, I guess it was Giovanni that did kind of the scouting breakdown that got people kind of like up in arms about it, um, critiquing kind of the shot selection and just needing to rein that in a little bit and figuring out. But I, I do like him as the opportunity to, whether that's starting or off the bench, he has that microwave potential, right, where he can just come in and yeah, score in bunches like for you. When he plays well, he plays really well. Yeah, he'll make like nine yeah. threes, and then it'll be really cold the next game. Yeah, then it'll go like two for 13 or yeah. something like that, right? It happens, I get it. You know, the thing with, with, with Evans is that, I mean, with them missing on Edgecombe, I mean, Evans has a chance now because, yeah. I mean, you know, can he not only be a shoot, but can he slash? Can he can he absorb contact and finish at the rim? Because they need that because they don't have it. Yeah. Um, which, you know, we can talk about with the Edgecombe and kind of, you know, recap post-mortem. But, um, you know, they need slashing. They need yeah. someone who can get to the rim, absorb some contact and at least get to the free throw line, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, and if, and if I, Mitchell, if Mitchell was to leave, you know, Evans is a guy huge hole. Yeah. yeah he yeah. slots yeah. into the three. Cause he's probably the biggest of those guards. I think just in terms of height, maybe not, he's yeah, kind of skinny, he's, but yeah, he's six, six and right. You know, about a buck 20 soaking wet. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 But no, he's, he's, he's got that Brandon Ingram thing. It's just, yeah. you know, he doesn't have Ingram's height or length. And yeah, so right. it's, you know, Ingram's like six eight six nine, right? Yeah, like yeah Ingram's was, like six nine. Yeah, long, real lanky. Um, yeah, well, you and, mentioned it, so let's talk about VJ, right? Because I think that is the that's the hot take, the hot news coming out. Um, it seemed like there was a lot of momentum there for a little while during the visit, but then I think, and John, you correct me here if I'm wrong. It's there was a lot of like towards the end of like surprised kind of reactions from Duke fans. But for me following it, it was kind of like, I don't want to call this kid an afterthought, but I think it was almost an afterthought in terms of from the fan side, the class was already big. There was already a lot of guys there. Like unless he just really wanted Duke, um, it was pretty easy for me to see, you know, there's a lot of options at other places for you to have a bigger role, for you to kind of be more of a marquee guy here. Um, what do you think that you can disclose here? Kind of sway that back towards Duke, and do you think Duke was really like option two here, and it came to the very end, 
Or do you think it was just the kid had a great visit, riding high off the visit, went back home, took a couple of days and things cooled off and he made the right choice with his head? Yeah, I, I think it with with Duke and him, you know, obviously Duke got in late um, and this kid was one of the highest risers in the class. I mean, you know, he was top 70, then top 50, then all of a sudden he's a top five. Right. Um, <clears throat> you know, they they went after him because, quite frankly, they don't have anybody like him. I mean, they don't have, as we just talked about, they don't have the six five, six six. They don't have Gerald Henderson. Yeah. They don't have Cassius Stanley. Yeah. They don't have even a Wendell Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't have the athletic guy on the wing who could be a plus defender who's going to put pressure off the dribble. Uh, they don't have the guy who's going to be the high flyer. Um, they just they don't have that guy. And you know, Edgecombe was certainly that guy. Um, you know, as far as his recruitment goes. I think most people thought he was going to commit uh, with the other two, uh, Cooper and Pat, who you know did commit after the big official visit weekend. Mm-hmm. But like we were talking about offline, you know, from the, from the kids' perspective, um, he gets home from Duke. The other two commit, um, and the, the word is that you know he's going to commit. That's when all the crystal balls went in, um, because the word was you know hey we got him, um, and it wasn't from the staff saying that. It was just. A lot of ancillary stuff, a lot of stuff from within the recruiting class, and you know, these guys, he's going to come. Well, then, and I, I don't have the actual timeline you know, memorized point by point, but I know he Kentucky came in hard and heavy um, after the Duke visit, and I think the next time anyone got BJ to talk on record, you know, he was talking about how he had a great visit, you know, the brotherhood, NBA stuff, yada yada yada. But the comment that stuck out was, "Man, they've got a lot of guys." Um. And, you know, that was true. Um, and then Baylor just kept going. And, you know, everyone, the national guys were always telling us, you know, Duke has made a great pitch. They've got the, you know, the, the playing time lined up, the role lined up. But, man, this guy has a good relationship with the staff at Baylor. Yeah. And, you know, to, ask, to answer your question, I, I think at the end of the day, it just came down to, and the kid said this, you know, it was – he had a really good connection with Baylor. He's got a really direct path to be option one or one a uh, at Baylor next year. And, you know, sometimes they just connect better with other people. And I think that's kind of what happened here. Um, you know, I don't think there's any ill will. I don't think that, you know, any, any, anything bad. It's just end of the day, the kid liked Baylor more. I think Duke did finish second. Um, Kentucky was out, you know, St. John's was out, but, and, you know, I think Duke finished second because they're Duke. Um, you know, he, there were a lot of questions, you know, there's it's a very crowded roster potentially. Um, you know, what if Mitchell does come back? What if Foster and McCain come back? Well, then VJ's not starting. I mean, that's, that's just the bare facts. Yeah. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I think it, he just had a really good relationship with the Baylor staff and, you know, as far as the shock and all goes, I mean, the word didn't really change much from after the visit up until the week that BJ committed to Baylor um, because he wasn't talking. There were no leaks. Nobody knew. And then as it got closer and closer, it started leaking out a little bit that, you know, yeah, he's really tight with Baylor. Yeah. He's, and then it, then it became, he's told the Baylor staff. I mean, right. if you look at our site, you know, we talked about, you know, this could happen, this could happen. And then all of a sudden we got on there and said, you know, I, I think, the information has changed and now it's Baylor and that's yeah, when we started quite, making our, yeah, yeah, we, it was. And unfortunately, you know, people need to realize it's, 
recruiting is fluid. It's not a cop out. It's just a fact. I mean, you know, and, and maybe, maybe his preferences were not as fluid as we all thought, but you know, if the kid's not talking, his AAU coach isn't talking, his high school coach isn't talking, his buddies aren't talking. I mean, you know, I know recruits that were three days before he committed, thought he was going to Duke. And then, you know, at Hoopal, it started leaking out that like, you know, the guys who were playing at Hoopal, uh, Harris, Evans and flag were kind of like, yeah, I don't think he's coming because he had kind of ghosted them over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, we're not bothering these kids every day. Right. And so, yeah, yeah. you know, we didn't know. And, and quite honestly, they're in the middle of their seasons. They're not going to worry about that. They're, they're worried about their stuff. So, you know, once all the information started pooling a little bit, which is what happens when, you know, a bunch of teams come together because then everyone is talking. That's when it started leaking out, and that's when we made the made the change in the crystal ball picks. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the I don't think it was up there with like the uh, like to me. I think most of the time when these recruitments, and you can talk about this too, right? It seems like you know sometimes kids go radio silent, and it's just the the kids are going radio silent. I feel like since I've been like following you you all like the last gosh sixteen years or however long it's been, it's. Typically, when you get into those final like three to four or five days, if there's silence there, that's usually not a good thing, right? Because usually like the staff has then been informed, like, okay, we're coming. And then we start to get little leaks through on our end. And it's like, okay, I, I, every now and then I guess you get a Zion or something where it's just, but even going back to Harrison Barnes, right? Like that was like the, the, the one where everyone marks it as like the huge flip, but there were telltale signs towards the end where it's like, uh, we really haven't been informed of this thing yet. Like we haven't been told this is set in stone yet. We don't really know. And I guess maybe that jaded me to our now. I'm the, always the like second, the second in home. Yeah. The Remember second, in, yeah, it started to get like, eh, we don't know. We haven't so, been informed. Yeah. So I, I, I think I've told the story before, but I mean, I, Harrison Barnes, the night before he announced on Skype, I'm, I'm doing that's back when we had a chat room. Yeah, I remember boards. those. Yeah. The midnight chats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, yeah. And I mean, I was, when was Harrison Barnes? Was it 2009? Yeah, yeah. He came yeah, in. He, started, he was a freshman 10-11. So, yeah, 10, he would he committed yeah. 09. Yep. Yeah, 09. So, I mean, I was I was actually finishing up in school at that point uh, in, in, in uh, law school. And so, I mean, I, I had weekends free. So, I, mean, I was running chats at night and all that kind of stuff. And, I mean, I'll never forget it. We were literally the day before the whole um, announcement at, at his high school. I mean, I was literally about to fly one of our writers out to Ames, Iowa to, to do this. Um, and I was actually coordinating with scout at the time to do it. And we're in the chat and, you know, we're all just talking about the different kids and the different recruitments and all this kind of stuff. And Barnes calls me because I had covered him for the, and he's like, Hey, I just wanted to return your phone call. Cause I had requested to do an interview with him like a week before and unsolicited. He calls me. And like he's answering questions and all this kind of stuff, and I'm going, okay, this is this is weird, but you know, okay, cool. And so, I mean, that's why I was confident. And so, like the next day, um, I forget which assistant it was. Was it was it Collins? I don't remember. Or Wojo, anyway, right? Yeah, it might. It wasn't Wojo. I, I didn't talk to Wojo all that much. <laughs> but um, it, it was. It, I was talking to somebody on staff, and it was we were chatting, and and they said, you know, um, we're not getting him. Like, what do you mean you're not getting him? And he's like, well, there's announcement on Skype, and this is what they told Shashevsky too. We don't even got Skype. Uh, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, and so I was like, that can't be right. There's no way this kid would have done. And yeah, he he did. 
Um, But, you know, that same class, we knew about Kyrie Irving before he took the A&M visit, before he took the Kentucky visit. Yeah. I mean, it just, it happens sometimes. I mean, you know, every recruitment is different. Every coaching staff is different. Every information, every flow of information is different. I'll put it that way. Yeah. And, you know, it's tough to, it's tough to lock it down. We were talking about it offline, but, you know, one thing I think you're going to see with Duke, the Duke market especially is, you know, you've got now the guy who was the head recruiter, the head information gatherer, the head liaison. I mean, because, you know, anybody who watched Duke recruit over the last decade, you know, Mike Krzyzewski didn't go out to events except for like one or two. I mean, it was always the Duke staff is there. And then when Coach K showed up, it was like a, a huge event. But, yeah. you know, now you've got the guy who's the head recruiter for the last however long. He's the head coach. So there aren't going to be leaks. There's not an exchange of information as much because that guy can control it all. You know, and it's it's one less chain of the, the game of telephone, I guess. Right. Right. And yeah. so, and you know, and Duke is they handle their business uh, behind the scenes very well. They are very organized and they're very precise. And you know, they th- these kids know when Duke wants them, and they know when Duke is ghosting them. So. Yeah. You know, yeah. VJ's recruitment was, I don't think Duke was overly shocked. Um, but, you know, they didn't get confirmation. I, well, I know they didn't have confirmation up until the day before he announced. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I think he did let them know early. And I think that I, Duke didn't leak it. But, you know, I kept hearing from Baylor saying that they got him. So, yeah. And if they that's didn't leak it, too, then sometimes that's the telltale itself, right? Of like, okay, nothing's well, coming through. One of the- Maybe that's. One of the most famous leaks, um, and he's actually a, a podcast buddy of ours, um, Jeff Goodman. Next time you have him on, we'll ask him about the singular recruitment because Goodman broke it that he was going to Duke, and Jeff got it, I think, from the Arizona staff at the time. And Singler's parents were pissed. Mm, it was. Yeah. It did not go well. Uh, we'll yeah. have to ask him about that this summer. We'll have to get him back on. Yeah, I'll have to get Kyle. Yeah, I get Jeff on to talk about Kyle. Love Kyle. Um, before yeah. we do get out of here, though, what is, let's talk about the the biggest craze, right? Post VJ. And I'm going to try to pronounce his name the right way, but I believe it is Common Malich. Malich. There's like yep. an L slash W kind of sound there, trying to get that right. Um, what, for, uh, I think it's he's blowing up. He's supposed to come on campus. Um, there's a lot of trends, a lot of excitement. Is this a little premeditated here, John? Because I've seen, you know, I don't want to quote anyone, but some chatter over on our side and stuff about, you know, there's going to be a lot that goes into this. There's a lot of people involved in this. There's a lot of factors and layers, and he doesn't even have to come to college at all. Like, realistically here, are you so, giving Duke a 70% chance, 50% chance? Where are you at with this thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's a loaded question. Yeah, yeah, today's, yeah. today's uh, environment, but so let's let's first just kind of realize what this kid is. Um, he's 16 years old, mm-hmm. uh, maybe 17 now. Um, at 16 years old, he played in the 2023 FIBA World Cup for South Sudan. I mean, that's that's the senior national team. Uh, he didn't play much, but he played uh, at 16. That's an, it's pretty pretty good. <laughs> um, you know, he's 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 seven one. He's got a huge wingspan. He finishes really well around the rim, has really good footwork. Uh, he's pretty mobile. But, you know, offensively, he can also shoot. Yeah. He's got a repeatable uh, and reliable shooting motion, and he, he makes shots uh, all the way out to the three-point line. Um, 
you know, defensively, he he's not Mark Williams, he's not Derek Lively, but he's close to he's probably closer to Williams um, in that you know just a, a post defender. I don't think he moves as well on the perimeter as, as Lively did. Um, I don't think he's as versatile as a defender as Lively was. But you know, shot blocking, bothering shots, I and mean, he would be this year he would be Duke's best rim defender without a doubt uh, at 16 years old, 17 years old. So um, and he's really, really good. Um, people call him like, you know, like Joel Embiid. He's, he, he more emulates Giannis um, in just the way he plays. Uh, and I think Giannis is actually, he's, he's quoted a couple of times as saying that's who he emulates. That's who he watches. Uh, that's who he wants to pattern his game out. And, you know, seven, one, that's, that's impressive. Um, so that's, that's what they're looking at. Um, you know, some of the, um, secondary, uh, stuff you see out there. I mean, if you go back and look at the kid's Twitter, um, he's liked every Duke post and followed every Duke personality for like the last six months. Um, uh, you know, full disclosure, he's, he's followed, uh, our, our site a couple of times and we've had a couple of exchanges with him on the back end, um, through, you know, direct messaging and stuff. And he legitimately likes Duke. Um, legitimately likes the program, legitimately likes the brand, all of that. So, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of it's going to have to do with the fact of, you know, what does he want? Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been on our boards. I know Adam's been on the boards and said it. Um, the national guys have said it. If he comes to college, yeah. I would not bet against Duke. Question is, is he going to come to college? And, you know, a lot of that's going to be different factors. Um, you know, does he want to play maybe a year in Australia, make some money? Um, you know, does he? I don't think he goes to the G League. I don't think the G League is going to be a good option for him. I think he, you know, the issue with, being a non-American is how much money can he make NIL wise uh, under the current rules? Uh, Cause I remember Kentucky had this issue with uh, Oscar a yep. couple years ago and I'm pretty sure they, they worked like a, an international trip or something or found workarounds to get him compensated. I think doesn't uh, Zach Eady have the same thing? Cause isn't he Canadian? Something like, yeah. I, and again, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs. I've not hmm. read the legislation for NIL, but you know, I know that's a challenge. Um, you know, I, I would make the argument that if he's going to play in America next year, Duke is the best place. He's going to get the most exposure, you know, probably have the best NIL deal that he can get. Um, he's probably going to, you know, be a really good piece, much like Mark Williams benefited playing beside Paolo. I think this kid would benefit by playing beside Cooper and vice versa. Yeah. Um, and, you know, defensively, him at the five, Cooper at the four, Mark at the three, it's like you could put the fighting Greg Paulus's out at the one and two and still be a plus defensive team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. these guys would just be, it, it would be scary. Um, as far as, you know, does he come to Duke? I think we'll know more after this weekend. Um, and I think this is a recruitment. Uh, Adam touched on it on the boards. It was, it was very, very uh, accurate with what he said, which is, you know, if, if this recruitment comes out, it's going to be a professional recruitment. And what I mean by that is you're not going to have a recruiting site breaking news. The news is going to be broken through NBA channels because this kid's ultimate goal is to get to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's playing at the NBA Academy in Africa anyway. Um, so, you know, this is something that Duke has been working on. Um, they started working on it last year when Carowell went over to watch it. 
uh, on one of those, not a secret recruiting visit, but a non-publicized one. And they've just kept in touch with him. And I think this, I, I think they've done a really, really good job with him. You know, question is, does he want to play college basketball? And, you know, the answer is, well, he's, he's flying over this weekend to visit one school and one school only. Um, that's, that's a pretty big, that's, pretty big yeah, sign. That's a big endorsement especially, for sure. Especially when he's already reclassified. And, you know, I, I go back to the old adage, if you reclassify, you know where you're going. Uh, if you're going to go that route. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's like the, do you think the college basketball versus not college basketball debate is more in terms of just like, okay, it could, there could be benefits to let me go ahead and get stateside. Let me go ahead and get over there, get acclimated a little bit, kind of get my feet set and then get ready to go. Do you think it's more of a skill or a branding or a visibility thing? Like, or is it just, is it off court on court? Do you have any kind of sense of like what might factor into that? You know, I, it's it's different for every kid. I mean, like Tyrese Proctor could have just stayed in Australia for a yeah. year, played in the NBL, uh, but he wanted to come in and play uh, college basketball at the highest level. Um, and, you know, you can make the argument that college basketball at the highest level, especially when you're at Duke, it's going to prepare you on and off the court more than playing for the, you know, the Brisbane whatevers. Yeah. Um, it's going to certainly pay uh, prepare you more for the off-the-court uh, demands uh, the you know playing for the whoever in the G League where you know you're sh- you're basically playing nowhere and you know, no one knows who you are until the end. Um, you know from a branding thing, I think he could he could do a lot with Duke Network. He could do a lot with the um, with the exposure he would get next year. I mean, you know, does exposure ultimately matter? I don't know that it does this day and age because at the end of the day, you know, the NBA guys are going to find you. Um, but I would argue that him playing in college basketball next year would give him the biggest challenge, the biggest exposure, and probably the biggest opportunities. Um, especially when you consider, you know, a lot of the big guys will still be here next year, and you know, Duke will play a national schedule. Um, he'll get seen. He'll get evaluated. Um, you know, does he need to play college basketball? No, but he's got to he's got to do something for the next year. So why sure. not do it? in the place that could, you know, help him the most. And unless it's purely about money, which would be, you know, okay, go play in Australia or something. But even then he's not going to make a ton of money. Um, not compare. I mean, it's not, like he's, it's not like he's, I mean, even with LaMelo ball, when he went over there, you know, he had the, the hype of his, of his nutcase dad. Um, and so, you know, he, he had endorsements. He had secondary forms of income. I mean, this kid is, if you're not a basketball junkie, you don't know who he is. Right. Um, and sure. that, that's not a negative thing. It's just, it's a reality. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, so it's, you, you know, he could come in and make a name for himself real quick and that, that could drive up his value, could drive up uh, his branding. And, you know, like I said, he's got some connections to Duke, um, you know, Luol Ding and some other stuff, but yeah, I was going to bring that up. Day, yeah. Well, Dang has yeah. been, uh, you know, kind of orchestrating the Sudanese team. Correct. Yes, and he's he's been very uh, active there. And yeah, you know, I mean, it's this kid. I mean, you want a percentage? I'd say seventy thirty for Duke okay. would be, okay. and and that would be that would probably be you know if it, like, if it's college basketball, I'd be stunned if it's not Duke. I just there's a lot of people who are are, are involved in this decision. Uh, you know, where to go, when to go, how to go. Um, 
you know, it does sound like regardless. things are going to pick up quickly, though, post-visit, right? Like, it's not, it, it, things well, can happen kind of kind of quick, or do you think this could drag to summer? Or Publicly, I, I think, uh, publicly, I don't think it's going to, I think it'll just come out of the blue. Um, I, I think we'll know more after this weekend, to be honest with you. And, you know, from Duke's perspective, it may be a situation of watch what they do. I mean, this isn't like Marvin Bagley, who just, you know, it was an open secret that he was, going to reclassify I mean, this kid's already reclassified i mean and you know quite frankly in june of 2025 he's going to be shaking hands bat of silver yeah so you know we know what the end game is we know that he's you know, he doesn't have to make a decision until a certain time but from duke's perspective he needs to make a decision you know probably by the end of the season basketball yeah. season college basketball because if not, Duke's got to start hitting the portal because they've only got one big guy. And then, you know, Sean Stewart as well, um, if, if you consider him a center. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, other than that, they they got to start figuring stuff out. So, you know, yeah. right now, I, I would say if he's college basketball, I think it's Duke. And we'll know more after the weekend. But I, I would kind of suspect that, you know, a lot of people are looking at this going, well, you know, he's – you start looking at the you know the ancillary stuff. He's flying over here. He's seeing one school, one school only. Um, you know, he's he's followed every Duke account there is. He's liked all these people. It's really and not Duke's window dressing involved. at this point. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's I mean, more it's, than it's, that. It's pretty yeah. clear. Um, and he fits a need for Duke. Um, you know, and you know people are gonna the naysayers are gonna go. Well, the kid, you know, Pat, who committed to Duke over a long time relationship with Kansas State before we start going down that road of, you know, it'll upset him and he might look to leave. He knew they were going to get another big guy. I mean, you're losing Filipowski and Ryan young this year. I mean, that's your starting two centers. You don't replace two with one. You just don't do it. Hmm. So, you know, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. It's, and Pat's had some like stuff, right? Isn't he, didn't he have to have like surgery or he's got some, yeah, he's got some knee stuff or something that's going on that I saw with that. Foot stuff, so, yeah. yeah True foot stuff. Of course, of course it, yeah. yeah. Lower extremity. Yeah. Lower, yeah. Exactly. In, yeah. Indefinite. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Last one, John, and we'll get out of here. Don't know how much, if you can really speak to this, maybe just of like the vibes, but someone had asked like how long kind of would Jay Lucas stay on the staff? Like at what point does he jump ship for a head coaching job? Have you heard anything about um, it's going to be, I know for a long time, I guess it was with John or Chris or one of those guys, it was, it's got to be the right fit. It's not just going to be any job. It has to be, you know, um, a specific type of school. Do you get the sense that Jay's kind of chomping at the bits to get there or he's playing more of the long game? He's patient. He's looking for the right fit or has that not even really been discussed? You know, I, I don't – during the seasons, we don't really talk about that kind of stuff with, with guys. Um, I, I mean, he he was on our podcast, you know, what, a year ago now? I mean, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, he's he's a very bright young coach. Um, you know, he's, he's done tremendously well at Duke. Um, he'll be in high demand. Um, but, you know, just like we were talking – you know, the one I always go back to was Wojo because, you know – Date, everyone thought he was going to leave for Dayton at one point, um, and he never did uh, until Marquette came open. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Collins was was happy at Duke. I thought it was going to be Collins for a while, and then Northwestern came open. It's like, that's it, Chicago guy, Northwestern. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I didn't understand Nate James going to Austin P. Um, you know, Capel going to Pitt, that made sense because mm-hmm. – 
went to Oklahoma, did well, uh, you know, had some issues, came to Duke, re- rebuilt himself. And then another high major uh, ACC game comes up. It's like, yeah, go to Pitt, man. Yeah. Go be a high major coach. I, I don't know that Jay's going to leave for a, you know, mid-major. Um, but, you know, I, I'm assuming that, you know, he's, he's te- you know, he and his family are you know, got that Texas connection. Um, yeah. Who knows what's going to happen down there? You know, one I would look out for, um, and this is just speculation on my fault, but I mean, you know, with ACC getting a Texas presence in there, um, you know, yeah, Texas, mm-hmm. Texas basketball might be something to look at at some point, um, you know, but there's a lot of, a lot of good, good talent out there. Um, and of course his dad's royalty out there. So, I mean, you know, there's just, there's all kinds of, of opportunities, but I, I don't see him leaving for anything other than a, than a power five job, um, yeah. right now. But again, you know, who knows, uh, you know, maybe Louisville will be looking for a new coach soon and, yeah, you know. Yeah. They'll want another Duke assistant who's actually ready for a head coaching job. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Louisville. Uh, yeah. yeah. Don't want to talk about him during the season, but I guess, uh, you know, maybe in Phoenix would be would be an okay time to to interview him about that stuff right now. I don't, don't <laughs> yeah, right. Get, don't want to get too far into the the weeds there, but um, yeah. Well, you know, John, we, we appreciate it. Um, this was kind of a little a fun thing we decided to do. Typically, you do these in in long form. Um, we decided, you know what, let's kind of do it yeah. on the podcast. Get the board involved. Uh, we're not really, I have it on here as we get out of here. I'm not going to do another pit preview. We just did that like 14 days ago or however long it was. <laughs> not much has changed except for they've lost four out of five. Pretty yeah. much the same group that's going to be coming in. I think the only thing worth mentioning is we're just kind of on health alert. You know, what's the status of Roach and Mark Mitchell going to be like? I think you can get by if you just have one of those guys for pit. If you don't have either one, then this is going to be a much different game than it was down in, over in Pittsburgh. So, um you know, I don't maybe, know if there's anything we can say about that, but I, heaven help me and, and forgive me and everything. If it's if Mitchell's not there, this does feel like a game Stewart could really factor into. I don't know, other than the fact you know Pitt's offense isn't all that great. Um, maybe he would get so lost on defense, but I mean, feels like a game he could help because they've got the you know the center who's got the same name twice, and then they got the <laughs> two seven foot twins. Yeah. Um. You know, yeah. But there's a margin of forgiveness that might exist. Those. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. Don't want him guarding Henson a ton though, right? Because Henson's probably right. going to shoot like fifteen threes probably yeah. Saturday. Like he's the only one he's got to pretty much. So, um, um, if I had to guess, I think Roach will play. Um, yeah. Mitchell's still not yeah. practicing, from what I understand. So, um. You know, we'll see. But I mean, just because he's not practicing right now, I mean, you know, how many Seth Curry went through an entire season in a boot Never practice, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So on the bike, you know, just kind of doing treadmill stuff for the whole time. So yeah, yeah, I figure we'll figure out Mitchell's status will be announced like twenty minutes before the game or something. Yeah, I mean, probably like to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but yeah, you know. I mean, they they should win, uh, hopefully, because um, they certainly can't afford to lose the momentum, uh, Got especially. Yeah. Yeah, got to take care of these ones at home for sure. Um, well, you know, yeah. again, John, appreciate you coming on. Um, as as always, everyone listening, we really appreciate you all. Rate, review, subscribe. You can find us on the boards at thedevilston.com. You can find us on Twitter at devilstenpod247. Uh, you can email us at devilstenpod, uh, gmail.com. Um, anything else that we need to plug? YouTube, thedevilston.com over there. Adam's always pretty prompt on getting like player interviews up. Um, so all that stuff, you can check the guys out. And as always, keep the faces strong in the verb high. Go Duke.